Snap Studios. Uncle Bill is falling down, falling down, falling down. Uncle Bill is falling down. He drank Bailey's. Take the key and lock him up, lock him up, lock him up. Quickly, cause when he wakes up, he gets crazy. You listen to Spooked. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. From KQED and PRX, you've crossed over to Spooked. boy. He asked me one day, Daddy, do you believe in magic? No. Daddy, have you ever seen magic? Yes. But Daddy, that doesn't make any sense. Correct. Spook starts. into the darkness. You know this. We seek out the shadow, the monsters, but sometimes we do turn toward the light in order to properly understand the dark, and that is why I am so excited to introduce to you our next guest, who is asked to remain anonymous, and I want to give sensitive listeners a heads up. This story contains instances of premature birth, pregnancy loss, and cancer. Please take care when listening. We're going to call our speaker Althea. And Althea is studying to become a nurse. Spooked. Theo is my mom's brother, and he is my godfather. He was a big part of my life as a little girl. Uh, he was always just kind of magical and a little scary because he would do like strange magic tricks and pull things out of my ear and 
tell scary stories, um, but he's just he's just ridiculous and wonderful. My mom called to tell me that Zio was very sick and gave me the stage three lung cancer prognosis. And then my uncle called me on the phone and he said, sweetheart, there's a uh, famous priest who's coming to this church. People say he's healed so many people. If you go to see him, you're going to get healed. And, you know, would you want to go with me? At that point, I was really finishing up with school. And I saw that I actually had to work that day. I was working also as a medical tech in the hospital while I was waiting to become an RN. So I said, Zio, you know, I'm sorry, this time I, I can't make that. I can't, I can't do this one. And uh, he's like, you know, it's okay. Don't worry. It's fine. You know how when you have a regular dream, it's like a regular dream. And then sometimes you have a very, very vivid dream where it's just so very bright and so clear it's around that time, maybe a few days later, that I had that dream that I'm in the hospital that I'm working at. I'm walking down a white corridor, and there are doors, and there's that shiny linoleum and the bad paintings, and I keep walking. And as I get closer to a corner, I see a woman come out and kind of like, give me the come on over here signal with her hands and so I pointed at myself again <laughs> like me <laughs> you talking to me and she nods so I turned the corner and she kind of just gets me up against the wall I remember her being Filipino uh, older lady robust but she was right in my face she was like right against the wall and like in my space and she said you know your uncle's really sick and I said yeah I know my uncle is very very sick and she said well well, what are you doing about it and then she looked at me and she said well you know that nothing medical is going to save your uncle so I just blinked at her and stopped and then said, well, then what should I do? And she said, well, it sounds like you better think of something. And I woke up. And I bolted up in bed and just said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I have to take him to see this priest. So I I called him. The next day, I said, Zio, I'm going to take you. We're going to go. And he said, no, I thought you were working. No, no, no. I said, no, no, we're going to go. We're going to do this. And don't worry. I took care of it. It's all good. And so we're going. So we got there early and grabbed seats in the pews pretty close up front. Within hours, it was just jam-packed with people 
and they were wheeling in little children on beds with IV lines and oxygen tanks. And uh, my uncle looked at me and he said, what am I doing here? Like, what? I'm asking for me to get better. Look at it. God has to take care of these children. Look at those children. Oh, my God. Hours went by, and then um, the priest came out, and he speaks, and you could see the wounds on his hands, and I think on his forehead. And the priest was, uh, he looked like Johnny Depp. (laughs) He's really handsome. He had kind of like long, dark hair, dramatic, and At one point, he came around with the big golden cross, and uh, it's very shiny, and he definitely passed in front of us. But I was taking it all with a measure of salt. (laughs) It just seemed kind of melodramatic and crazy, and yet I was feeling a little swept up with it, too. And, uh, of course, I'm praying for my uncle, praying for these children and I had a little like secret guilty prayer and I prayed dear God you know help me know when I'm really a nurse because I'm going to be a nurse really soon and I don't feel like one yet and just at that moment the priest walked right in front of us with the big cross and an old lady just she fainted right at my feet landed literally on my feet face up holding a crucifix that was sort of like jammed into her neck. She was unconscious. And I, of course, you know, crouched down very quickly. Security came very quickly. And I pushed them all away. I just pushed my arms out and I said, it's fine. I'm a nurse. And everyone just kind of stepped away. You know, security said, if you need something, let us know. And I'm like, we're good. I'll let you know. And I took care of her. I assessed her and she was breathing normally. And I recognized she just got very excited and, you know, she just needed a little little fresh air and a drink of water and she was fine. You know, after it was all over, I'm with my uncle. I said, wow, you know, I, I, that was amazing. I, 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 I'm praying for you, Zio. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. This was not for me. Let's pray for those children. And the people really need. I, I, I'm, I've had a good life. The next time my uncle did his labs, the doctor was like, wow. Those numbers are, like, amazing. My zio had imaging, and that part that they couldn't take care of was not there anymore. That's just amazing. You know, that's it. Like, the doctor didn't understand, and I don't know. I don't know. But he's never had a recurrence, and he still runs his barbershop during covid against my better guidance. (laughs) So that happened at the very, very beginning of my nursing career. And, you know, I transitioned and became a labor and delivery nurse on the night shift and 
gaining in confidence, starting, I, I would say at this point, I wasn't a liability anymore. <laughs> in in labor and delivery, it takes a couple of years to not be, you know, a, a burden and actually be a, a help. Then it was years between the time that happened and I had that second dream. It It happened after a long, awful night shift. It was one of those dreams that I can only describe as from the other side. I'm in the neonatal intensive care unit, which is a place I don't go very often. And I'm walking around different isolettes with the babies inside, and there are nurses next to each isolette. And I'm just walking by, and there are beeps and lights, and it's kind of dark. And I come up to a isolette, and I see this baby. And in the dream, I say, wow, the baby's, the baby's alive. That's, that's, that's really nice. And I look over to the nurse, and she had a very particular, her hair was kind of up in a modified bun, but some of it was down in the back, and uh, little freckles on her face. Her body type was smallish, and a little bit on the more round side, pleasing. As I was looking at her, I noticed behind her this huge form, this brilliant, large form of what you would picture to be an angel. But it's right over her, standing over her, and towering over her. But around the darkness is a lot of light, and there's actually wings. And and I see the angel moving its arms around this nurse and kind of if the angel moves a certain way, the nurse would like move this baby's wire or guide the nurse's hands to this pump. Or uh, I, it was like this angel, this creature was guiding her and standing behind her. When I woke up from the dream, I was laying in bed and thinking. You know, this is the baby, this is the baby that this mom and dad, first time couple came in unexpectedly in labor with an extremely premature baby. This baby was too early to be considered viable, which means the baby was too young to uh, be expected to survive, even with high tech, tech interventions. My friend she actually took pictures of the baby and she said, you know, oh, what a pretty baby. Do you want to see the pictures? I said, oh my God, yeah. So I'm looking at the pictures and I see like the baby looks pretty pink, like some good color on the baby and kind of had some nice tone um, in, you know, its its arms reflexed. And uh, I said to my friend, you know, this baby looks pretty alive. You know, are you sure NICU came and said, no, you know, this is too not viable? She said, no, no, no. It's, you know, they were very clear. 
you know, I, I don't want to step on my friend's space and her autonomy, but I really feel like this baby was defying all of the typical things that happen when a baby is born that prematurely. So I felt I needed to shift and respond to that. So I squared my shoulders and dialed the NICU and asked to speak with the uh, NICU doc. And I said, can you please come downstairs? She does. And she says, I, I, there's nothing I can do. And I say, there's a mystery that, you know, when something's just really knocking on our door, we, 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 have, to, we have to, like, at least consider it. So the doctor said, no, I can't do it. And she, she was tearful and left. And unbeknownst to me, she called her priest who says to her, yeah, why don't you give this baby a trial of life? Like, maybe there is mystery. NICU teen comes down with a big isolate. And at that point, my friend confronts me and she said, wait, what's happening and why? And did you call? And I said, you know, I'm sorry. I, I so respect you as a nurse. You're so wonderful. But I just couldn't. I, I, I really, everything inside of me is screaming I had to do this. And so she was very angry. So we went our separate ways. I went home. And, um, and that's when I had that dream. That evening I went to my labor and delivery unit. You know, I lock up my car and I start walking back to the unit, you know, the labor and delivery entrance. I'd come a few minutes early because I wanted to, before punching in, go up to NICU to just sort of peek in and kind of get the story about what, what happened, how it unfolded. And as I'm approaching the labor and delivery uh, unit entrance, I see a woman in front of me walking and I'm not paying attention, I'm behind her. And as I get closer, I, I see that she's fumbling with, the, you know, an ID thing. And so I, I said, oh, you know, I'll let you in because she, she had scrubs on. She thanked me. But as I'm looking at her, I start getting like prickles and up my neck. And I think, she looks really familiar. Why do I feel like she's familiar, but I don't know her, you know? And then, um, again, I started looking at my time and getting, you know, realizing I have to run up to NICU to be on time to be there for report. So I run upstairs to NICU, start walking around the unit, looking at isolettes. As I get close to the isolette, I see the nurse standing next to the isolette. It was the lady that was in front of me and as I see her standing next to the isolette I recognize that that's the woman in my dream like that's exactly her that's her face and her glasses and her hair and her freckles and everything I'm just standing there just like oh my god and I'm looking behind her thinking there's probably this really big 
glorious angelic being right behind her. I can't see it, uh, but I'm just like, like flummoxed a little. And I introduced myself and I said, you know, I've never met you before. And she's like, no, I'm a, a visiting, uh, like a traveler. And I've just started, I said, you know, this is going to sound really weird, but I dreamed about you. And she's like, oh, really? I said, yeah, I, I, I had a dream about you and you were taking care of this baby and behind you is this really, really, really big angel watching over you and guiding you. And um, and now that I know that you were in the dream, this is this was you in the dream, I know that this baby's going to live. Like, this sounds crazy. I know it sounds crazy. And she just looked at me and she goes, don't sound crazy at all. I was so relieved, you know. She she took it all in stride. Well, the baby was in the NICU for months. And, of course, at that point, every shift, I'd say, you know, how's the baby? And they're like, oh, she's doing great. You know, and and the gift was to see the baby going home, you know, and whole and wonderful. And afterwards, um, I'd say like on the holidays, we would get, Nikki would get a card from the parents with the baby for a few years. So we got the treat of seeing a picture of this baby every year, doing great, meeting milestones. So with Zio, it was kind of a cause and effect because if I didn't take him, that nurse in the dream told me my Zio wasn't going to survive by medical means. And with this lovely baby, um, it wasn't the dream that created the chain of events. You know, it, it was... It was the waking decisions that were made that night. But the dream illuminated to me that indeed there is a mystery, you know, and bigger forces at play. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Althea, for sharing your story with us. Althea is a spooked listener who wrote in and shared her story. And if you have a story to share, make sure you drop us a line. Spooked at snapjudgment.org. The original score for this story was by Sudi Watchpress. It was produced by Annie Nguyen. We walk this dark path together. Spook swag. It awaits. Snapjudgment.org. And remember, if you like your storytelling, under the bright light of day, get the amazing, stupendous Snap Judgment podcast. It's storytelling with a beat.
created by the team that has been taught the three incantations for silence, except, of course, for Mark Ristich. He insists on using pig Latin instead of Latin Latin. There's Anna Sussman, our chief spookster is Eliza Smith, Chris Hambrick, Annie Nguyen, Lauren Newsom, Leon Morimoto, Renzo Gorio, Teo Ducat, Davy Kim, Marissa Dodge, Zoe Frigno, Tiffany DeLiza, Ann Ford, Jacob Winnick, and Doug Stewart. The spook theme song is by Pat Masini Miller. My name is Glenn Washington. And some will tell you that the light and the dark are a continuum, a spectrum, that in reality, one is the same as the other. This is a distortion, a trick they play for their own purposes. No that you will always need an anchor. And this is why I advise to anyone who will listen to never, ever, never, ever, never, ever, ever, never turn out the lights. This story was summoned in the dark of night by KQED and PRX.